Welcome back to Uncorked, another podcast brought to you by Team Corker. Today I jump on the mic with a very, 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 very old friend from the days of Luan. I guess you could say we were once upon a time internet friends, like strangers, yet there is this red thread that if you worked at Lululemon, sort of in the early 2010-esque era, you'll always be connected. You know, those original groove pants keep us connected. And Vanessa worked in stores and I was at head office and I was racing Ironman and I think she was dabbling in it as well. And goodness gracious, the last 10 years have been such a journey. And during this journey, Vanessa has gone on to become a life coach for endurance athletes. Um, Vanessa speaks so powerfully about what it means to, to be an athlete, to be in this work in the world as both a coach, someone who is coached and coaching others, and specifically for her nucleus of, of endurance athletes and, and that's long distance triathletes and, and many others. Um, this is a special episode because we recorded this during Pride Month, celebrating Vanessa's coming out of about a year ago, 18 months ago. And we are connecting with her before she does her first race as a fully expressed human being. And this podcast will have a part two, and it's going to come right after part one, and it will be the connection with Vanessa on the other side of the finish line. I hope you enjoy this one. Be sure to give Vanessa a follow, a cheer, and one big, happy gay rainbow. Oh, Vanessa, you feel like a long, long lost friend. And mm. I was so grateful for your yes to jump on this pod. So thank you for being here today. Absolutely. It feels like a warm hug through Zoom. Oh, <laughs> yes. From Colorado to British Columbia, here we are. I was going to ask you to introduce yourself and tell the world who you are, tell our listeners who you are in 2023. Yet it feels only appropriate that before we do this, I give you a quick little warm up. So are you ready for a quick game of this or that? Oh, I'm so ready. So ready for this. Okay. So um, just sidebar for our listeners, I, I said to Vanessa, we'll record for about 20 minutes. She said, oh, okay, about 28 minutes. And I was like, nope, we're not doing intervals here. We're just hitting record. <laughs> but it felt only appropriate that if she thought we were getting into intervals, she needs a warm up before the intervals. And so that's the impetus for this morning. So this or that, hot coffee, cold coffee. No coffee. I'm a tea drinker. Ooh, exhale. <laughs> We're starting off strong. Let's go. <laughs> Plane or train? Plane. Plane. Um, Coke or Red Bull? Red Bull flavored, please. Oh, that's so American of you. I didn't even know they came in flavors. I've never had original Red Bull. Fun fact. Only All flavor. right. All right. Um, ocean or lake? Ooh, lake. Preferably mountain lake, high up that I have to hike to. All right. She doesn't do any triathlons at a mountain lake, I don't think. Hopefully she's not hiking up to a not start yet. line. <laughs> not yet. Oh, I know what's on the horizon. Um, okay. I want to know if you like uh, books or podcasts. Books. Books. And do you read books, mm -hmm. Kindle or paper? Paper, please. Paper, please. Library or purchase? Oh, that's, this is the hardest one so far. Let's go with purchase. Purchase. Ah, that's but beautiful. I, I bounce between. I bounce between. I do have a yeah. library card. I love a good library experience, but I've been yeah. purchasing more lately. 
Well, that's the perfect segue because before we hit record, I shared with you that I did a writing workshop this morning with Andrea Gibson and Lori Wagner, and it touched me to the heart and soul. And of course, you and I are both raving fans of Andrea Gibson. And before we get to your intro, I'm going to give you one of her jumping off prompts. And that prompt was, if you could write a resignation letter to any version of yourself, who would that be? (laughs) Wow. A resignation letter to any version of myself. Who would that be? Oh, wow. I feel like this is such, such a great prompt, Steph, for, for a lot of, you know, what we're here to talk about today. And I think the honest answer is this, the part of me that was scared and worried about what, how good life could be. Mm just a year to 18 months ago. Yeah, fair. Well, um, what I want you to know is the real question that Andrea posed was, if you could write a resignation letter to anyone or anything, what would what would it be? It just felt more appropriate that maybe yours would be to a version of yourself. And so with that, can we jump one more time and say, oh gosh, I need to tangent again. I just heard a song about how falling in love involves the jump because you need to fall. Mm. That's um, an Andrea like a... poem as well. Oh, Falling is it? Falling in love is the greatest. Yes, there's a poem. Oh. They say, yeah, falling in love. I, oh, I have to find it. Yes, there's something, yeah. something, there's something special. Well, we need to include Andrea and her poem, their poem, sorry, um, in the show notes, because there's yeah. something special to that. Here's to falling. Here's to jumping. Let's jump to Vanessa. Who are you? In 2023. Can you introduce yourself? Absolutely. I would love to. Uh, who am I? My name is Vanessa Forster. I am a uh, obsessive dog mom, a passionate mm. triathlete, and a very committed life coach for endurance athletes. Mm. I am someone who values connection and mm. a deep sense of knowing of people. It is important to me in my life and in everything that I do to express, help express potential in others, but also help them be seen and feel seen in ways Mm. that they don't currently. Mm. And uh, sometimes that's in the space of endurance sport. Sometimes that's in just my community where I live here in Denver. I am, it's been a very important part of my life recently to make sure that I'm not one dimensional with the sport that I love so much. So I'm also very connected to being in the LGBTQ community here in Denver and in the space of helping those that experience homelessness in Denver. Like this is part of who I am in the fact that I love to connect with people and help them feel seen and do it through my work and also who I am as a person. Mm. Well, I was, thank you for sharing that. I was going to say, um, tell us about the dimensions beyond sport before we come back to sport. And I would love to know that. So can you dive, dive there and share what are the dimensions that really matter to you? um, Or can you go deeper in those that you just mentioned? And then how do they stay relevant for you? Yeah, yeah. So I think Ultimately, the dimensions that matter to me are um, something that has to do with service. So like, mm-hmm. like I kind of mentioned, I volunteer every Monday with an organization called Mutual Aid Monday here in Denver that helps those that are experiencing homelessness, our neighbors here in town. It's just, it's a grassroots organization that literally you just show up with 
hot food and donations and you give it to people that need it. They're literally right in front of you. And you get to have conversations with these humans that live in our same city, but have a different experience of life. And it's really special for me because I moved from a place that literally shipped out homeless people. And we didn't often see socioeconomic differences. And so moving back to Denver, it was important for me to feel a certain sense of connection and help in ways that I can. And I feel very grateful to have found this organization that helps on Monday nights from four to seven, a mile and a half from where I live. And uh, so that's one way in in terms of service. And um, it's also important to me, as I kind of mentioned, newly into the LGBTQ community is to just immerse myself in a way that allows me to be connected in a way that I guess in some ways selfishly helps me feel seen and supported. But I also can, through this, through these connections, through these um, events and and certain things like comedy shows and groups and um, events like that, what I can do is I can then help the next person, like people that are kind of navigating any sort of journey that's parallel to mine or similar to mine. um, And I get to meet people and learn about them through LGBTQ events. Um, What else do I like to do? I spend a lot of time with my dogs. Like I said, I'm an obsessive dog mom. So my pups are my favorite. I'm obsessed with them and I spend a lot of time with them. And I feel like that is an important dimension of me because they have been with me through some really hard times. And uh, it's special to have, you know, furry friends. We don't deserve dogs. I truly believe that we don't deserve Mm. them. And they are an special component to my life. And then separately, just having a, uh, a very close friend of mine that is not in the sport world. <laughs> mm. I think we can all value when our conversations go deeper beyond sport. I love endurance sport. I love long course triathlon, but I also love the opportunity to not talk about it. Mm. And when I have people in my life that allow that challenge me to think differently and and have conversations that are beyond the realm of sport, it lights me up because then I'm I'm thinking beyond this construct of of how I spend so much time. Again, I love it, but I'm also challenged to, to like take myself out of that world for a while. And that's important to me. Yeah. Oh gosh. I love it so much. I want to upgrade your butts to Anne's because you can love it. And you love, Mm -hmm. you love X and you love Y. And I just feel compelled to share with you that only a few episodes ago, we released a conversation with Seth Godin who shared that the world would be a happier place. His belief is the world would be a happier place if we all had a dog. And like you, I'm obsessed with my pup. And um, in fact, listening to you share your story reminded me during the pandemic, before I had surrendered that my time in endurance sport was going to be over. um, I was on the trainer and Bernie was just a little baby and he chewed through not one, not two, but three of my trainer cables where my trainer went into the wall. And finally, Tax shipped me the last cable and said, we're not making this trainer anymore. And this is the last cable that we have. If this dog chews through one more cable, she needs to buy a new trainer. And it was like, I got Bernie and I didn't surrender. He was like, you're not paying attention to me. And it was Mm. so metaphorical that I like wasn't paying attention to life in, Mm. in its other dimensions. And so when you share that, 
I could cry and just think like the power of something furry, we don't deserve them and they show up for us and the power of the dimensions and amen, sister, I tell you. So I have an extra cable. I have a trainer that's not set up and I still have a furry buddy. So I think that all is well (laughs) in the world. (laughs) Oh, bless. Okay. Well, before we dive into your experience with endurance sport, yourself, or, or maybe you can help us here. It's really special that you have chosen to be a life coach for a specific audience, because I know endurance athletes really cover the spectrum of the rainbow. Um, no sweet gay innuendo intended. Um, <laughs> however, you also have, have been coached and are, are, are a part of this as an athlete yourself. And so I'm wondering if you can take us on the journey of how did you land in the vocation that you are and how did your own experience with sport bring you to this moment? Ooh, yes, 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 yes. Well, I can say with ease that I, when I was certified and chose the route of becoming a life coach, I always knew I was going to work with athletes. That was, mm. that was never a question because that's who I am. And mm. I had my own experience, like mind blowing experience of what I could create on the race course using the tools of life coaching. So I was like, I have to bring this more people need to know this, but if we rewind and we take it a couple steps back, um, I think a lot of my journey began with a shared experience working at Lululemon years and years Mm. ago, which we were talking about this before we hit record. That is where I first met you and um, got to become like, just follow you and be a part of kind of your world. And and we always, as we mentioned, we feel that there's like a thread between those of us that have worked for the company and understand the culture. So early on, being a part of the Lululemon culture and understanding the the concept and the idea of possibility and personal responsibility and all of these things that really, I needed those principles in my life at that time. And they were so revolutionary for me. Now, I didn't know it as much at the time. There, I actually can remember, you, you will probably find this to be a bit fascinating. Um, there was a time where I had just been hired. I was working in the store at Lululemon and I was in the pants section, you know, folding the pants, just <laughs> you know how we do and i was like learning to fold and someone walked up a key leader or a manager and mentioned something about how they like there were some cubbies that needed to be reorganized and my response my immediate reactionary response was oh i didn't do that and you can imagine <laughs> what this leader said to me something along the lines of it doesn't matter this is your section now right? Like this is your place to own. And I, that's like a core memory for me. I remember in that moment thinking, oh, right. I get to own this space. This is my domain. This is a, this gets to be a reflection of me and in the best possible way, if I want it to be. And that sort of idea that's, that was planted and it, and it landed for me in a way. And it just kind of grew over the time that I worked at Lululemon. And it started to you know seep into my everyday life and how I showed up in the world because how you do one thing is how you do everything. And over time, I was already in endurance sport. I was already racing on course triathlon at that time. And um, it just became this, this operating procedure for me. But it wasn't, it wasn't the, the, the first time I also had made some really drastic decisions for my life um, early on. I was actually a CPA. I worked in public accounting. And there was a time in my life where before I moved to Denver, I thought, whose life is this? Like, what am I doing? Do I actually really want to do this? Is this, is this where I want to be? And I made some like really big decisions for myself and moved out to Denver. And that's when I started working for Lululemon. So it was already kind of like 
I get to make these decisions for myself. I get to own my life. I get to create from a sense of possibility. I get to change my mind if I want to. And that all kind of came, I I just started to like live into that more. And then I have to give 100% credit to the idea of the title of life coach or the, the like path of life coach to my ex-husband. He was the one that said to me, have you ever thought about being a life coach? And I was like, what is that? I don't know. And I like, just put it on the back burner. And then I was in a coaching, I was in a coaching role at that time. I was working for Orange Theory Fitness. I actually worked for the company for six and a half years. And I was on the sales and operations side for the majority of the time. And then I worked in, I was a coach inside the glass as a fitness coach. And so I started to have this opportunity to impact people physically from this, the incredible workouts they were getting, but also in the way that I approached the mental aspect of how they were getting more out of themselves inside the glass. And then Danny had this idea and I thought, oh, how can I blend these worlds? How can I really help people show up for themselves in a way that they haven't before? And can I do this with athletes? Can I do this with myself first? Because I'm actually always my first athlete that I'm coaching. And then I went and I found a program that I felt was very much reflected the type of coach that I wanted to be. And I went all in on it. And that was a very big transformational year for me between 2018 and 2019. And I used myself as the example of what was possible. From 2018 to 2019, Mm -hmm. I did the same race, Ironman Chattanooga. And in 2018, I had a very challenging race, walked a lot of that marathon, was very sick, just like didn't have a very good race, but it wasn't about the race. It was about the year beforehand and how I was showing up or lack of showing up in my training and my, Mm. and my racing, a lack of intentionality, lack of presence, lack of self-awareness. And in 2018, when I started the program and I was getting certified, I decided I'm going to use sport as the reflection of this work. And I'm going to make, I'm going to set this impossible goal to win my age group. I had never been on a podium before. I'd never, I didn't have a resume of incredible athletic achievements. I said, this is, I'm going to up-level myself. I'm going to figure out how to apply and, and be intentional way that I hadn't before. And I did. And I, I, when I look back on that year, it still blows my mind of the athlete and human. It's really a human, right? Because we're humans first before we're athletes. So the human I was able to become, how I stopped holding myself back and sabotaging my potential and counting myself out early and micro quitting and all these things that I was doing subconsciously, some and consciously others, and really own my goals in a way that lit me up because I was scared Mm. of my goals for so long. And in that year, I said, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to put myself out there for me, not for anyone else, just to see what's possible because I won't know unless I try. And, um, fast forward to the race. I didn't win. I got second and I qualified for Kona, but I felt like I won. If you saw me at the finish line step, you would have thought that I won the whole damn thing. I was, <laughs> you elated. won. I won. I won. And I was like, oh, this is what I can do. Mm-hmm. It's like, I was finally aware of my own power. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yes, every athlete needs this. Every yeah. athlete that's like me, that keeps their goals small out of fear, fear Mm -hmm. of, yeah, fear of failing, but also fear of like, what, how powerful am I? What Mm -hmm. can I actually do with Mm -hmm. my performance, but also life? (laughs) Cause it's Mm -hmm. just a reflection, right? So um, that was, I was in the program and I thought, okay, I've got to, I want to, I want to build this for athletes because I want them all to feel this way that I feel. 
Mm. And I'm so honored to do the work that I, that I do now. I am mm. incredibly honored every day to get to mm. work with athletes. Okay. We'll make sure that this is in the show notes of link to work with Vanessa. If you need to up level or be scared. And I, mm-hmm. I need to ask, you know, I think this was also a Lululemon piece, which was setting WTF goals, willing mm-hmm. to fail goals, or the notion mm-hmm. of like, do half of your goals scare you? Mm-hmm. Um, and it feels like you were able to get to like, yeah, I can set a scary goal. And then I kind of like leave it in the ocean to, to swim by itself. And now you're like, okay, now how do I get from the beach to this goal that's in the middle of the ocean? And without, you know, giving away a full coaching session, I'm curious of, it's easy for some people, it might be easy to set a scary goal for other people. Setting the scary goal is the challenge. Mm -hmm. Um, what I heard from you though, was declaring the goal, the scary goal was possible, but then how did you get from like the beach to the water? Mm. I think the simplest answer was I asked myself, what would that person do? So for me, it was an age group winner, right? I wanted to be the 30 to 34 age group winner at Ironman Chattanooga 2019. And I actually wrote that every day. And I said, what would that person do? If I was that person, that version of me, how would she show up today? Mm. And I just made those tiny little steps. Mm. Didn't have to make giant leaps into the ocean, just like the next step on the sand. What does that look like? Mm. Okay, so this takes me back, takes me back, there's a song, um, to when I was probably your age, stoked in your world. And I was actually working with a sports psychiatrist out of, or psychologist rather, out of Flagstaff. And Mm -hmm. she would ask me something similar. And what I want to share with you is that I was able to create who was that version of myself And the interesting piece was I had to give her a different name. I had to see her as a completely different person. And that journey for me made me almost disassociate with the fact that I am, I was, I'm so stoked to be Steph Corker. Mm. Yet I had to see myself as this 60 year old version. And I called her name. I called her by the name of Heidi because I wanted to be this Norwegian housewife. I wanted to work like a Norwegian housewife. And for the record, this was like before the Norwegians were on the long course scene, like they are. This was like, (laughs) think of the old Norwegians that are cold, that are stacking wood, that are working hard, that are growing food, Mm. that are in community. There was something really special to that. And so I, I almost forgot about that version of Heidi. And you're reminding me that while it was really helpful, it took me out of my body and out of myself. And so what I love so much is that you're staying within yourself and within your body and you're coming back to sport as yourself. And we're recording this a week before a race that's really, really special. And I'm mindful that it won't come out until after your race, in which case we might need to do a an outpost just to capture how the race goes. <laughs> Celebratory. Um, so before we're there, can you tell me what this race means to you and why this upcoming race, Ironman Coeur d'Alene 2023, is so special? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I might get emotional thinking about it. It's, it's for me, this race is, um, you know, it's June 2023. So it is Pride Month. And I live here in Denver and um, our pride celebration is actually the weekend of the race. So like the parade and all the fun, the, the biggest parties are happening uh, while I'm in Coeur d'Alene. And to be honest, Steph, 
I wouldn't change a thing because when I think about my experience of what pride means for me at this stage in my life, I can't think of anything else I'd rather do than race an Ironman. Because this last year, we were uh, talking about this before we hit record, has been a, a challenging year, a transformational year for me in which I have um, come out as queer and uh, divorced my ex-husband and moved to Denver and made some really big life changes, life decisions. And I'm so proud of the past version of me that did that. And I'm, I'm, I, when I think back to who I was a year ago and the bravery that it took to get me to where I am, this race is a celebration of all of that, of who I am now, who I've become and who I am. I feel so incredibly proud to be. And uh, I, I imagine, I, I don't even imagine I am, I am planning to and creating this experience this weekend where I wanna be present to every moment in this race. Not just because I put hours and hours and hours racing and not be, just because it's my goal to be on the top step and I'm racing against an incredibly amazing women's field, but because this race is for me. This race is for the me 12, 16, 18 months ago that felt sad and muted and not like herself and it is such an incredible expression of who I am now. And I cannot wait to be out there. Mm. Okay. Well, I'm just going to say this now. We are not going to publish this until we do one more episode that will come at the end of how this race goes, because there's something so special about capturing the energy before I have 1000 goosebumps. And um, what I know for sure is you already are on the top step. And um, the rest is going to be sweet, sweet nectar. So mm-hmm. that's incredible. I could not agree more. I yeah. cannot agree more. I, I, yeah. I feel that in my bones. Yeah. Yeah. You're there. You're there. We have to wrap this. Time goes too fast. And I'm grateful for every moment that we've had, every minute of your nectar, your wisdom. Can you please tell me what's making your heart beat faster? I mean, I think that we just, we just covered it. My heart is being faster because I get to race an Ironman on Sunday. I get to be out in the world doing what I love in a beautiful place, surrounded by fierce competition and support from all over the world. And this for me, this race is also the first time that I'm traveling to an Ironman by myself. But Mm. what's so beautiful for me is that I'll be there. I'm traveling solo, but I'm never unsupported. And Mm. I just feel that so immensely. And that support is in, in who I am now and how I'm racing this weekend is what's making my heart beat faster. Mm. Well, um, good luck seems too trite. So I think enjoy those moments and those minutes and the highs and the lows and every color of feeling that comes to you. Um, I will be on the stalker app, as I like to call it on Ironman day and we're cheering for you. Really, I need you to cheer yeah. so loud, like yell at the tracker. <laughs> I want to hear you all the way in Coeur d'Alene. It's actually not that far from you. It's not, yell that loud. <laughs> you know, 10 hours, ain't no thing. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm hitting the pause button on this sweet episode to tell you about something that you might like. 
our newsletter. We call it The Corkboard. It has all things juicy, whether you are looking to keep in touch between episodes or find out more about our coaching, development, or hot new jobs that we're working on. The link is in our show notes. Your inbox is sacred and your time is too. So now let's get back to the episode. Well, if I have ever loved to take two, it's this one because we promised we would come back for the aftermath of race day. And it's a little bit later and it took us a couple of tries because I was a little everywhere. And now we are back. Vanessa, the race. race. I want to ask, how did it go? What I really want to know is how do you feel? Oh, gosh, do I love that question so much more than how did it go? I feel wildly proud and drunk on inspiration (laughs) for just the love I have for endurance sport. Mm. And for my own journey and for getting to another finish line, because it's never guaranteed. The start line's never guaranteed. The finish line's never guaranteed. And I feel wildly, wildly proud for the day that I created out there. Uh, Amazing. It felt so important to come back on to hear the aftermath because for our listeners, declaring goals, setting goals is a big deal. Declaring goals can feel like an even bigger deal. And it can feel like something worthy of sharing. And sometimes it's Mm. like, no, I'm going to keep these in tucked into my heart. And what has been so beautiful about all things you is you're like, it's out in the world. I will declare it and shout it. And I'm like here to live into it. I know who I need to be to be the person that I want to be to achieve who achieves that goal. And so Mm. can you riff a little on the outcome of the goal you declared knowing that you were drunk on inspiration and certainly not giving up endurance sport anytime soon. (laughs) Yes. Um, Yeah. I just, I love who I become and what I learn about myself when I go after bold goals. That's what it really means for me. It's never really about the goal. It's about Mm -hmm. who I become in the process. And for me, this start line meant so much more because of the journey that I've gone through in the last several years, knowing myself better and um, like my personal journey outside of sport that I actually used endurance sport as the vehicle to push myself and and get to the place where I feel like I can get even more out of myself every time I tow a start line. So I don't even remember what I said on the first, (laughs) the first recording, but I was, I was going for the age group win because I declared that goal back in 2019 when I lined up for Ironman Chattanooga and I had yet to reach it. And the outcome is I have still yet to reach that goal. I did not win my age group, but I know that I'm one race closer. And on paper, outcome wise, I finished the lowest I have since 2019. So since 2019, I've had two second places, one third, and I got fourth in my age group this time. But what I know for sure is that I am closer than I ever have been because I know what it takes. And I also know what I'm willing to do. And I know that when I line up, I always line up to win because I believe that I am, I will never give less than when I'm capable and able. And as I get more out of myself, the field around me is also getting more out of themselves. And that's where a lot of the inspiration comes from, for me, for me, because I love getting the opportunity to race fiercely incredible athletes in the women's field. It's getting harder and harder. And what I love about that is they draw more out of me and Mm. I refuse to believe that when others are racing faster, that it takes anything out away from me. It's not a zero sum game out there. Mm. I'm getting more, I'm digging deeper. 
And I, if, if I commit to this process, the outcome, the measurable outcome of a first place age group win, it's coming. But the lessons I learn and how, dig I'm, how deep I'm willing to dig and how hard it gets and how beautifully just like uncomfortable I am and how I stay in that uncomfortableness and how I'm willing to just be in it, be in that grind of it. That's the beauty. And that's Mm -hmm. what I got out of it is knowing that I will dig, I will fight. That's who I am. I will never hold back. I will never negotiate my goal because it gets hard. And Mm -hmm. I will be inspired by the athletes around me in the process. And that's really what the day offered to me. I finished fourth age group, ninth overall. But like I said, I'm, I'm closer than I ever have been to the age group win. And it's so exciting to me. You are vivacious. This is vitality. What I really want to know, and this is the truth about why I wanted to record the second part of this podcast. You're my first ever two-parter. Oh, I feel so honored. Thank you. Yes. I needed an apre with you um, because my perspective of Ironman and and my time racing is that it became very self-consumed. Um, I was very self-absorbed and there was a lot of self in it. Mm. What I look back on now and say, there is no way to argue that it changed my entire life and that it had impact well beyond only sport and well beyond finish lines. And for that, I'll forever be grateful. And so I'm not implying that it's selfish of you or like it's self-consuming. I know that you are woke enough to know how are these waves and miles that you are racing impacting other areas of your life. So what Mm -hmm. I really, really want to know is how did that goal shape another goal in life, shape another, I mean, be it project, way of being. Tell me Mm. about that finish line as it relates to Vanessa outside of the race course. Sport. Yes. I mean, how you do one thing is how you do everything. So I can't, I could not agree with you more. That is this journey in endurance sport is, is so much more than just the sport. It's just the vehicle, right? So when I talk about, when I say it's about knowing myself better or the relationship I have with myself, it's how I take who I am in sport and apply it outside of sport, you know, as a entrepreneur, as a, as a, someone that shows up for other people and coaches other people to get more out of themselves and their potential I'm always my own first athlete, right? So I'm mm-hmm. coaching myself to know that I, I'm willing to do the brave thing. I'm willing to stand in a bold goal. And it's not to say that everyone has to be as loud about it as I am. I, I, so I believe in what you said. I call them poster goals and soul goals, right? There's mm-hmm. things that we're willing to put up on a poster for others to see. And there's ones that we keep close to our heart and our soul. And I stand in that and I give myself permission so that others can too. That's my goal. Anyone that relates to my story, but how I show up and the, what I'm willing to give to sport is also what I'm willing to give to my business and who I'm becoming. You know, this last, these last two years of my life, I have gone through a very important transformational journey, having been married to a man and then learning more about myself and coming out as queer. And this whole journey has been getting to know that side of myself and giving myself permission to do things differently and follow a different path, not the path that I thought I was supposed to be on and do it differently and take up space differently and 
that's, that was my journey in sport as well. You know, I didn't grow up playing sport. I don't have a, I didn't have a resume of uh, podiums and, and high accolades. When I first declared this goal of wanting to win my age group, I just said, you know what, I'm all in because I want to see what I can learn about myself. And when I went through this process in sport, it almost gave myself permission in my, the other side of my life to be like, okay, let's question everything that we've been living in. And is it true? And if it's not true, what else might be true? What else is available here? If we step into possibility that the life we've been living isn't the truest and most honest for us right now. And that I gained that through sport. I gained, I gave myself permission in sport first and that opened up the door in so many other ways. And I'm just so grateful for that because that made this finish line, especially so much more than a placement. Yeah, I got fourth, but I won so much so much that I get to take to the next start line and the next finish line. If I'm, if I'm lucky to make it there. Yeah. Oh, bless. One of my favorite friends, she actually has also been on the pod. Um, Steph wrote a book. Well, she wrote a book and she riffs often on goals and I'll hyperlink her episode in here as well. Um, she, I'm caveating my next question with, she had taught me that when we achieve a goal, we always ask, the next question of like, what's next? Mm. And we dive always forward into what's next. And she's like, hold up. Like, what if it wasn't about what's next? Yeah. And yeah. I was like, the pause. amen. And I want to know what's next. Okay. <laughs> but can I speak to that? I want to speak to yeah. that because I was actually coaching on this just yesterday. I have an athlete who qualified for Kona for the first time and I'm Oh, I'm incredibly proud with her for the day that she had at Lake Placid. Um, so I get to tow the start line in Kona with eight athletes that I've worked with, which is incredibly inspiring and exciting. And I said to her, we get to look forward, right? We're going to Kona. How incredibly exciting is that? But also let's not lose touch. And also let's not lose touch with what we just created, right? Because there's so much more you created a day. I created a day in Coeur d'Alene that I've never had before, an experience I've never had. And there's so much to take from that. I want one, I want one hand still touching on that as I turn my body and look forward to where I'm going without losing touch from where I've been, because it's been a journey. And for me, endurance sport is always a journey. And, it, and we as high performers, it's very easy for us to push the goalpost out and just completely turn our entire bodies and shoulders forward and make it about this chase or this yearning for something more. And that's not necessarily a bad thing, as long as what comes with that is a, is feelings that fuel us, right? So I am fueled by the next goal, but that, that for me, that fuel also has to be connected to my past and like what I'm, what I want to take and what I want to learn. So what's next is Kona in October. Actually, what's really next is I'm riding uh, from Boulder to Grand Junction, a three and a half, three and a half day gravel ride. But that's just fun because I like to dabble in fun endurance rides throughout my training just to make it just to bring in that joy. I, if I could spend a day doing anything, I'd be riding my bike. So I love to be able to add these things to my training because I believe that we can have both. It's not about and or or it's about having the joy in training as well. Uh, but race wise, I've got Kona and then Arizona six weeks later. And I have, I'm targeting some, some, uh, bold goals. Cause I always do. And I'm willing to share if you want to know. 
Drop it. <clears throat> I, yes, of course. We need to know Kona, followed by another Iron Man six weeks later. Yes. Yeah, so Kona, Kona for me is, this will be my second time towing the start line in Kona. And last year I had a really tough day. <laughs> we'll leave it at that. And I, I, my biggest goal for Kona is to be racing from the energy lab back to the finish line. Like I still, I want to be in the race. I also know that that course is very well suited for me in terms of the bike course. Now we never know what's going to come from the, with the um, wind and the humidity, like all of the elements, right. It brings out a lot more. And I, I want to experience the bike course and just, and be very present in it and pace it well to race the last from the energy lab home. So it's more about an experience for me in Kona than anything. Arizona though, I'm, I line up to win. I'm going for the age group win and I'm going for sub 10 in Arizona. Oh my gosh. I just got goosebumps. <clears throat> That's a heck yes. That's a heck yes. I love it. You are. And a sub 330, sub 330 marathon, sub 10 Ironman age group win. Giddy up. We're going. Giddy, Giddy up. up. And I'm Giddy lit up. up by it. I'm lit yeah. up by it because I remember what I just created in Coeur d'Alene. I matched yeah. my, so I did Arizona in 2021 and I ran a 340 and I matched that run in Coeur d'Alene off a much harder bike. Mm. So the 330 is, it's no there. Problem. I've got it. Yeah. No problem. No problem. I, it's, I see it. Do you have a post-it note on your fridge or on your bathroom mirror? On my refrigerator. Yes, yeah. Fridge, I absolutely do. Fridge positive. Mm -hmm. I'm like, just remind the universe every time Constantly. you. Yeah. I yeah. tap it every time I pass it. High it five. Is. Love mm -hmm. it. You're amazing. Zing. Thank you for every minute. Zing a ding. And uh, we'll be following you. You know it. Give me that. Give me that energy. Throw it at me. I love it. Thank you. And you know what makes my heart beat faster? The fact that I get to share with you that this podcast is brought to you in partnership with More Good Media. Our friends over at More Good Media are spreading the good word. One conversation, one podcast at a time. So thanks so much for your support. We are so glad to be here in partnership. Oh, hey, before you go, you know, listening to podcasts on this thing called the internet, it's a wild ride. And what would be so helpful on our wild journey is if you would be so kind to jump on and give us a review. Four, maybe even five stars. It really helps. Thanks for joining us.